Welcome back to Beat the Often Path, the show that encourages you to be top. That's a joke based on the acronym of the show. You know what? I'm sorry. Wholly unnecessary. The full show notes for this episode can be found on ross-palmer.com, along with the transcript of this episode, and there's a lot of details that you might want to catch. So pop on over there after you hear it to get the full picture. This piece, special episode, why it's the best and worst time to work remotely. Here we go. Today, we're going to have a state of the union on remote work. Have you ever looked at the word union and thought it should be pronounced onion? Because I sure have. And now that I've lost all credibility in your eyes, as if I ever had any to begin with, let's talk about why it's the best of times and the worst of times to be working remotely. I'm going to cover a whole mess of facts and quotes in this short piece. So what do you want to hear first, the good news or the bad news? Well, I can't hear you alone in my cavernous digital void, so I'll assume you want to hear the bad news first, followed by the good news, followed by a few little odds, ends, and tidbits of note. Why am I doing this? Because on your quest for unusual success stories and inspirational tales, I'm sure you've noticed that many coveted jobs are all remote. From Tim Ferriss's iconic, if possibly misleading, four-hour workweek book, to the DJs I've interviewed, to record label managers, to songwriters, to thought leaders a la Simon Sinek, Marie Forleo, and many more of the people you follow on social media, many of the world's most coveted jobs and businesses are remote or at least location-independent. I myself spent a decade trying to make sure that I was location-independent as a result of traveling so much and moving to a foreign country twice. For many years, remote work was the dream. Now that we've had a pandemic and many more people have gotten a taste of remote life, is it all it's cracked up to be? Well, let's find out. To start, why is it the worst time to earn money digitally and find a digital job? An article from the Wall Street Journal says, quote, the picture for younger workers is complicated. They're facing stiff competition from people who have been terminated. Workers on the sideline will come back and compete for these jobs, unquote. So we need to delineate here between the good remote jobs, entrepreneurial bosses, high-paid tech workers, etc., and the bad remote jobs, namely crowd work or freelance work via low-paying, high-competition sites like Fiverr, Upwork, etc. According to the International Labor Organization, quote, despite performing valuable work for many highly successful companies, compensation from crowd work is often lower than minimum wage Workers must manage unpredictable income streams, and they work without the standard labor protections of an employment relationship, unquote. If you've ever tried to earn money on crowd work platforms yourself, that will all ring true. And there's a larger geopolitical issue at play here, namely that in U.S. dollars, a living wage is so vastly different between, say, San Francisco and rural Pakistan. When people from around the world are competing for the same job in the same currency— People from inexpensive countries have a huge advantage in that they need far less to sustain themselves and can therefore win competitive contracts. So it's a great time to be a digital employer if you're from a wealthy country, perhaps less so to be a digital freelancer. It's also a great time to get ahead if you're in a country with a very low cost of living and you have access to great internet and a reasonably decent computer. So if you're not from one of these countries, you'll be facing an uphill battle indeed. And with so many people who lost traditional jobs during the pandemic looking for remote work right now, the competition for coveted roles has never been so fierce, even though there are more of these roles available than ever before. 
According to news station WTNH, I don't even know what that is or where that is, but it's somewhere out there, quote, Making money from your backyard became very popular during the pandemic, so did hiring relatively cheap freelancers, unquote. Many people, myself included, are turning to Upwork to outsource menial tasks to, to boost productivity, something again outlined extensively in books like The 4-Hour Workweek. In fact, the research for this piece? Outsourced. But hey, at least I'm being honest about it, right? <coughs> Now, I'm an outlier in that I've been a digital nomad working remotely for pretty much my entire career. For at least 10 years before the pandemic, I've built businesses and startups remotely using tools like Google Drive, Slack, Skype, Zoom, and even going back to the IRC days and private chat rooms. Wow, I feel old. So I'm well aware that the world of code in that world, it's the output that matters, not sitting in a chair for X hours per day. That's why so many digital experts are so hesitant to have those kinds of pointless restrictions put on them. It feels akin to the TPS reports in office space, a pointless waste of time for all involved and a significant reduction in morale for no reason. A players, as Steve Jobs called them, often want freedom. If we as reasonably intelligent people know that time, not money, is our most precious asset, then freedom is what makes us feel like we've made it far more than salary unless our job is to literally be Stephen Colbert, in which case showing up to the office isn't so bad anyway, at least in my opinion. But who knows, maybe I get sick of that too. But for old school bosses and people who are introduced to the world of digital work during a global pandemic, understanding how output relates to salary can be tricky. When the prior metric was, how long can they sit in a dark cubicle without tearing their hair out? From a Forbes article, as Adam Jackson, CEO of Talent Network Brain Trust, says, quote, companies looking to cut pay for employees who change geographic locations when their job can be done just as well remotely as in person, an important criteria, are essentially telling those employees that they were overpaid before COVID, and this is fair market adjustment of their pay. If you're an employee that is being subjected to this, you should challenge your employer to admit that they value you less now than before. If they can't admit that, they cannot justify the pay reduction, unquote. Because while many bosses intuitively feel that work isn't being done, experienced digital teams are able to tell very easily who is working and who isn't based on output. Traditional bosses may feel that people being absent from an office location is a sign of work not being done. But digital teams feel that employees who are, let's say, in an office but never signed onto Slack are a far bigger liability. It's a question of where is it the most important to show up and how? Is it more important to be gossiping in person by a literal water cooler or to be handing off tasks in real time on Slack with no distractions? For me, I value teams that are ever-present digitally. I couldn't care less whether they're located in an office or not or whether they're looking at a beach while they work. As long as everything gets done, it truly doesn't matter to me. But this part is supposed to be about why it's a bad time for remote work. So here's a barrage of facts. Elise Gould, senior economist at the Economic Policy Institute, says, quote, Because there's a large pool of unemployed workers, companies can pick exactly who they want and skip over people with less experience, unquote. And if you trust a single word from someone at Facebook, then let's see what Bryn Harrington, Facebook's VP of People's Growth, has to say. Quote, Obviously, this is working from home during a pandemic. We're not in a period of healthy remote work. We have people juggling caregiving responsibilities. We have people living in small apartments with roommates. Those people desperately want to get back into offices, and we're working really hard to do that as soon as it's safe to open our offices, unquote. How about this from VOA News? 
quote, younger workers are struggling more when it comes to feeling engaged or excited about work while working from home, according to a study that they did. And from an article on the BBC, quote, Microsoft chief executive Satya Nadella said that the lack of division between private life and work life meant it sometimes feels like you're sleeping at work, unquote. So knowing when to switch off is a major, major problem. In an article on Buffer, CEO of Duist, I think it is, Amir Saleh Hefendik says, quote, remote work isn't just a different way to work. It's a different way to live. And unlike what you might see on Instagram, working remotely doesn't mean you just jet set to exotic locations to drink pina coladas on the beach. We need to acknowledge that isolation, anxiety and depression are significant problems when working remotely. And we must figure out ways and systems to resolve these complex issues. Couple that with reduced money and struggling to find crowd work gigs and you get yourself a powerfully depressing cocktail. Unplugging after work and loneliness are the biggest struggles of remote life according to a study in the same article, and I agree. Even in the best case, take someone like Mark Manson who has made millions as a blogger and author remotely. He's often talked about the downsides of being a digital nomad and the struggles for years. So if your idea for beating the often path is making money remotely, you have basically three options. One, fight it out on Upwork or Crowdwork sites. Two, get a remote job from companies that are all remote right now. Or three, build your own team of freelancers and either start an agency or go the influencer route and sell digital products and the open waters of the marketplace. And none of these are particularly easy. In fact, all of them can be downright hard. So now that we've gotten the doom and gloom out of the way, let's move on to a more positive note, shall we? Here's part two, why it's the best time to be engaged in remote work. Facebook's Bryn Harrington, again, same piece. Let's not look at any of the news regarding Facebook lately, lest we see them in a less than favorable light. <coughs> Quote, parents who are closer to their children are happy to cut their commute time and optimize their workday. They're thrilled to work from home. Unquote. Source and parent can confirm. An article from Forbes states, quote, the need for sprawling physical office spaces is going to become a thing of the past. Completely remote companies with no HQ or organizational office will become a reality, unquote. Again, contrary to what evil bosses would have you believe, remote workers are considerably cheaper than their in-office counterparts. No desk space, no internet, no coffee, no non-dairy creamer, no plastic coffee stir sticks, no toilet upkeep. Lord, those office toilets, am I right? Can I get an amen? An article from Global Trade magazine says, quote, the demand for digital services and professionals providing those services has led to more people turning to the industry to find jobs. Digital marketing has emerged as an industry that has the potential to absorb a large section of the newly available talent. As long as they have a computer and a fast and reliable internet connection, any person can train and start working in this sector, unquote. Hey, that sounds a lot like me. I'm any person with an internet connection. Hubstaff says, quote, in our recent state of remote work survey, we found that 84.5% of companies intend to continue offering some remote work options after the pandemic. Some, like Twitter, have even instituted a permanent remote working policy, unquote. Sounds like a great time to be a remote. And with this newfound understanding that many of today's jobs can be done just as well, if not better, remotely comes a certain power back in the hands of the workforce. As CNBC says, quote, even among those who aren't considering changing jobs, 
Half of people currently working remotely say that if their current company doesn't continue to offer remote work options long-term, they'll look for a job at a company that does, unquote, because the curtain has been pulled back, and especially with people with kids are realizing that output and the bottom line matter more to everybody than any other romanticized notions of what could or couldn't be. The article continues, quote, People who can work remotely tend to be white, college-educated, and higher-income workers. If a post-pandemic workplace accelerates this trend, it could worsen existing income inequality, unquote. Hey, I'm a white, college-educated, higher-income worker. That's great. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? Maybe that's not so great. Maybe that's a pretty dang big downside to this emerging shadow economy or cottage industry or whatever the hell you want to call this. An article from Upwork's own blog says, quote, We know already that most in-demand professionals place high value on flexibility. For example, the youngest generations are most likely to freelance, and professionals craving flexibility will increasingly have managers who not only understand this priority, but will themselves expect it, unquote. So all's well for intelligent, digital, high-paid folk who may or may not be white and come from a place of privilege to begin with. But another article from Forbes says, quote, skills gaps have widened due to the pandemic and the increase in job automation has catalyzed the demand for retraining and skill-upping, unquote. With entire job categories vanishing in the face of AI and automation, more people need to take remoteness seriously. That's my takeaway anyways. And regardless of your background, there has never in human history been more information readily available for free online. So learning these in-demand skills has never been more possible, even though it may be difficult or impossible without an internet connection. So let's bring it on home with a conclusion here and my takeaway from the whole thing. First, the pandemic sped up a process that was already in place, a global shift towards more digital or remote work. This event has made it more normal for workers to be remote and for the companies who survived and or thrived during the pandemic, it was a black and white reminder that being physically in an office isn't important for the bottom line of every company. While some companies suffered greatly or even closed down, others had their best year ever. If you're a business owner, there has never been a better time to build a remote team or if you're a digital nomad who is, has an entrepreneurial spirit. Second, remote work requires digital skills. These skills are attainable, but they require serious study and commitment. Zoom is just step one. There are hundreds of other programs and digital languages we need to be versed in to be at the upper end of that skill gap. So if this is a path that you desire, it's important to be constantly leveling up your own skills and to take all things digital very seriously. Lastly, remote work comes with its own share of very real challenges. The digital nomad dream is both better and worse for parents, we believe. The pandemic has also shown us how taxing remote work can be for all involved. Here too, the curtain has been pulled back, leaving many with significant mental health issues. In short, digital work is not for the faint of heart. And on a final note, in some sense, we may not have a choice here, folks. The bus is leaving, so to speak, and we're either on it or off of it. At a policy level, this means that fast internet needs to be a right, not a privilege. Literally every person should have both the internet and a computer in every wealthy country. Otherwise, they stand no chance. We need to be mindful of communities that are left behind by this shift. And on a personal note, you can either decide to jump on the digital train or not, but if you ignore this greater shift, you do so at your own peril. 
So, I hope you enjoyed this extra special, extra special rant of the Beat the Often Path show, the show where we help you see your life and career in exciting new ways. So with that, rant officially over. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Often Path podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, if you enjoy what you hear, leave a comment, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Facebook, on Instagram, at The Ross Palmer. It would mean so much to me if you would rate the show five stars in Apple Podcasts. Leave a nice review. Help me grow this podcast. We'll have more exciting guests coming up in the pipeline. It's going to be great. So please help me grow this podcast. And again, if you want to be on the show if you're, or if you know somebody who does, please recommend them to me or just get in touch. I love hearing from you. So thanks for listening again. I will see you soon. <laughs>